Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and World of Warcraft and maybe other games as well at some point. We just haven't quite gotten there yet. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, it's our other lore columnist and general warrior expert, Matt Rossi. Say hi, Matt. Hey, everybody. It's all, We're having 55-mile-an-hour winds today, so I'm kind of tired. <laughs> That'll do it. And then we've got our second co-host with us. Of course, it's our shaman expert, but he's also well-versed in lore as well. That came out really awkward, but okay, we're going to go with it. Hey, Joe Perez. Hi. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> and also, we're having really long or really hard winds today, too, which is very entertaining to watch a beagle's ears flap in the breeze as she's trying to figure out how to pee in the wind. Wow, that's that, a little uh, complicated. I feel, I feel bad for that dog. <laughs> it's like there's a song about this, but I don't know if your dog has stepped on Superman's cape anytime recently. No, okay. no. I think we've avoided that one. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to know. I don't think I do. So we're just going to move right along. So uh, this week we decided we had... There were like a couple of different ideas we had kicking around for stuff that we wanted to talk about, but... Uh, Rossi, I know you wanted to talk about trolls and night elves and blood elves and where they all come from, and that kind of dovetailed into what I wanted to talk about, which was kind of the evolution of the different species on Azeroth, because that's sometimes a complicated topic for people, especially when it comes to elves. Yeah, uh, I've been I've been so playing one. Like I have a night elf that I got up to level twenty-eight, um, and I've got a blood elf I leveled up to twenty-four. So I was thinking about it. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of people who are kind of concerned, or not concerned, confused at times about the difference between Highborn, Night Elf, Blood Elf, Cinderay, Calderay, Quelderay. There's like a million different names for all of these pointy-eared dudes and dudettes that love to run around Azeroth and cause chaos, mostly. Drink magic, blow things up. Um, I I wrote a KYL this week that talked about it a little bit. But it mostly talked about like the trolls Torn and the Akir because those are the ones who are actually from Azeroth, like natively. Well, and which... that's the that's that's where I wanted to actually start was I, of all the different races on Azeroth right now, particularly with where we're set up with Alliance and Horde. Not all of these races are actually native to the planet, and not even the races that are native to the planet or that you would assume were native to the planet, like the gnomes and the dwarves aren't actually they were titan constructs that were then later on affected by the curse of flesh so what i kind of want to talk about is what are the original races of azeroth what were the the, the, when the titans arrived what was there to work with yeah um well i mean i'm sure you know we all know the basics i mean there there were the trolls have legends of the quote-unquote wanderers showing up travelers Oh, sorry, travelers. I keep saying wanderers, and I don't know why. Um, they, they have legends of the travelers showing up. The uh, the Akir, of course, the the insect people. There's actually some debate as to whether or not the Akir were the original ones, or if there was some pre-Akir group that they were there before that the old gods messed with. But they obviously they they have nothing to do with the Titans. And then there's like the Tauren, who if they were made by the Titans, absolutely nobody has copped to it. Like and there's some legends that indicate that they might have been here before them, 
Like they, they there's a legend from the the Torin that indicates they might have been here before them, or they might have been born out of the planet. And the problem is that there was a World of Warcraft magazine. You guys read it, right? Yep, I have it, it on my bookshelf. And, and there's an there's an article in there would have where Bronze Bren Bronzebeard is just. Frankly, it seems like he's guessing. <laughs> like he's just pulling stuff out of nowhere with no attribution. But he argues that the Torin were created by one of the ancients, um, the the demigods that were born out of Azeroth itself. And I mean, I guess right now they count the, uh, the August Celestials are counted in the ancients. They're just Pandaria specific ones. Mm-hmm. But some argue that Neo Zhao before the. Uh, before the Sundering and before Pandaria was separated, Neo Zhao would have just been another one of the Ancients. And there's some argument that Neo Zhao made the Tauren, and a lot of that is based on the fact that in War Crimes, Neo Zhao appears as a Tauren. Like, he takes the form of a Tauren, although, you know, by that argument, um, what's his name? The the White Tiger? I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, God. Neo Zhao. No, Neo Zhao's the Ox. Which one's the Tiger? Zuen. 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 Okay. Yeah. He appears as a human, so obviously he didn't make the humans. Well, so. and I think uh, Chigi was Chigi was an elf, right? Yeah, I think so. And I'm not sure what form Yulon assumed. Yulon usually appears as a panda. She appears as a panda in the game. That's mm-hmm. right. I so. think she might have been in the book as well. I don't remember. I don't remember if they went into her particularly in the book. It was more about Chigi and Zwen. Um, there's, the big argument is that Neo Zhao made the, the whatever was whatever the Torn were before the Sundering. Neo Zhao might have made them. He's the most likely option as one of the ancients and you know the most Torin like of them, which would make the the Yongal the the most primordial root stock of that particular race, the ones who've changed the least. Which I could kind of see because they don't really have like. They don't have the, the Tonka's weird, we're going to conquer nature thing, and they don't have the Torrens, we're going to live in peace with the Earth Mother thing. They just kind of have a, we want to stay alive, so we're going to light things on fire and hit you with them. Well, I thought that was they were driven insane, too, by the lack of connection with the sun due to the mist. I don't know. Well, the, the mists and I think that, I think that was sun. Well, I think there was, a, there was a whole quest about that, about how they, they kind of went loopy. So we don't know if they've changed or not, really. Yeah, but there's but, a whole quest chain where you that that's why they light things on fire. They kind of got angry because they couldn't like commune with the sun anymore. So they're like, "Well, sun didn't embrace us anymore. Screw it. Let's just light things on fire." At any rate, like, that's the, the the basic idea is that that Torin might come from that, but we don't really know. Like, there's arguments for all the various animalistic species of Azeroth. Like, for instance, the Furbolg are we know the Furbolg are from uh, the two Ursa. bear spirits, Ursok and Ursol. Um, there's an argument that there's some weird panda ancient out there somewhere that the Pandaren come from, but no one's actually proved that one. The Wolvar, again, Brand. This is the problem with that magazine is Brand is just speculating on ancients like mad. That, like, there's a hyena ancient that made the Nulls. It's like, do you, do you know that, or are you just pulling this out of nowhere? That kind of doesn't help when Blizzard. Well, and that that's out. yeah, that's that's the thing about that particular article is I don't think that you can take anything that's said in that article at face value just because. It's, it's mostly speculation, yeah. It's not It's not a, a member of the lore team writing this stuff out for you. It's somebody who's writing as Bran Bronzebeard, who may or may not actually know what he's talking about, theorizing on this stuff. Yeah, so there's like an element of fiction to it, and you don't know how much of it is fiction or not. That's also The problem is that's also our source for what we know about a lot of the other races. For instance, the World of Warcraft magazine is the one that strictly points out the connection between trolls and, and uh, night elves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in that should, same should, should we just go on about that? Should we go on about that one? Like just establish it so we people was, know what we're talking about. It was in that same article, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, since do you have it? Like, you want to read from it, or do you want? Um, to just... I don't have it. It's actually on the bookshelf somewhere on the other side of the room. I could go fetch it if necessary, but I don't. Uh, really... I mean, you probably know it well enough to like lay it out for people, though, right? Um, I don't. I just always want to talk for half an hour. I mean, <laughs> well, as far as the as far as the trolls and night elves go, it, there was a statement in there that said very specifically that night elves came from dark trolls. Um. And a lot of people asked about that one in particular. And there were people on the lore team who confirmed that that piece, at least, was correct. Because there was an Ask a C dev. I think somebody was asking about it. So that particular portion of it, yeah, that's right. We don't know about the rest of the stuff. Are the Pandaren, though? The Pandaren, they're unusual. Because they've been around for a really long time. They've been around long enough that they... They spoke to the Night Elves like back when Night Elf civilization was in its heyday, and they were possibly around before then. Well, we know that the war that the uh, Mogu had with the Pandaren took place before that. Yeah, way we before know, that. I mean, the Pandaren were slaves to the Mogu for at least two thousand years before the, you know, the, before the Night Elf society really decided to blow itself up. Uh, the thing is weird is we don't like, for instance, we know the Furbolg are that old. The Furbolg have been around forever. Like they've got legends of the Titans too. They're they're real old, so it's it's we don't know a lot of this stuff is just stuff we don't know. We don't know what the world looked like. We know that at one point there were like the trolls had one big empire, the Zandalari, mm-hmm. and the Zandalari basically fell apart because they were just so egotistical that they didn't even bother to stop cultural divisions amongst their lower caste citizens, and the lower caste were finally like you know I, I got enough of this and they left, and the Zandalari are like yeah you'll be back. And so th- their empire is the first one to ever fall apart through sheer egotism. Like, they didn't even, like, have a war. Just everybody left, and the Zandalari were left alone. Um, and that's just messed up, in my opinion. That's like, you know, you, you kind of lost your empire not because you were defeated in battle, not because you were militarily, you know, out- outmatched. You lost your empire because you were jerks, and everybody left. And then they, they had two competing empires, the Amani and the Gurubashi. And they were fighting for, like, dominance with the Akir. That's just where it's like, it's we have no idea what the world looked like before that happened. Like, we don't know, was there a big troll empire dominating half the world? What was going on with the Akir? What were the Torin doing? We don't know. Like, we have no idea. And a lot of this stuff will supposedly be addressed in Warcraft Chronicle, Volume 1. Yeah, That's supposed which, to come out next year. Yeah, another reason I want to buy that thing. Yeah, I know, right? It explains it well. It it supposedly it purports to explain everything, but yeah. how much everything is going to be in it is still kind of up in the air because they also highlight a lot of the artwork in the book too. So, is it going to be flat out lore, or is it going to be a little bit of lore with a lot of pretty art, or how is that going to work exactly? We don't know yet. We don't. No, we'll find we, out though. Isn't it supposed to be kind of like the Titans thing was in the magazine? Like, that was the original basis for it. They did that article on the Titans that was lore and art kind of combined. What do you mean, the comic? Yeah. Like, I thought that that was basically, that was the, that's originally what they called Warcraft Chronicles, is that series about the Titans that they did. That was just a comic thing. This isn't a comic. This is like, this is an actual written book with illustrations. uh, I think that they've actually, then they've definitely broadened it out, but that was the original intent anyway. But I don't know. I I just I, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'm trying to like let you guys talk. So please talk, so I can shut up and not feel like I'm dominating everything. You're cool. Yeah, I just anyway. So yeah, Garibashi and Amani fought the Akir, 
and they won, but it was one of those victories where you get your bot handed to you, like a Pyrrhic victory, because at the end, the Akir were destroyed, and they split up and headed in different directions, but the the Amon and Gorobashi were so messed up, they couldn't even fight amongst each other to determine which troll empire would get to dominate the world. Like, they spent all that time fighting. Like, I don't even know how many thousands of years fighting the, the each other. And what and, I want to know is, obviously, we know at the end of the war, at that point, that's when we got, you know, the branch that went to Northern mm-hmm. and evolved into the Nerubians and whatnot up there. And, of course, you know, we still have the Akir down in the south and Silithus and everything. When did when exactly did the Mantid branch off? Yeah, I couldn't find that out for sure. I, I found some, like, one comment that said that, uh, based on the quests, that the Mantid basically left at the same time. Like, they 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 left at the same time that the Nerubians did. Yeah. But the thing is, is that at the time, this is pre-Sundering, they wouldn't have been that far away. No. Like, the, the, you know, Pandaria was right there, right next to uh, Silithus. It's not like they were, you know, they would have been, like, right next to each other. So... I I don't no idea if they were the Karaji at that time, like if the Karaji and the Mantid have like a common origin, or if the Mantid and the Karaji were different peoples. I don't know. I have no well, idea. I know that they keep being they were kept kept being referred to as a colony of Akir. Like it could have just been a completely separate offshoot. At least that's the way that I viewed them, is that they were just a completely separate offshoot that happened to be you know elsewhere. If you look at I mean, Pandaria, if you look at the Pandaria map, the Dread Waste is on the other side of Pandaria from Silithus. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm completely wrong. It's right there. It's right next to where Silithus was. So it could have been attached during the Sundering? I, I don't, during the Sundering, they might have, you know, there's, there's the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the Shao Hao animated uh, series that they did. The Burdens of Shao Hao. Yeah. That talks about how Shao Hao wanted to leave the, the Mantid out. Like, he wanted to, like, not bring them into the mists, and he couldn't. If he tried to do that, he would have destroyed Pandaria. Um, something about the Mantid was in, it was nat- innate to Pandaria. So there has to have been some kind of cultural separation. And clearly they followed different old gods. And I find mm-hmm. myself wondering if that's the, the real foundation to their separation. If the Nerubians, the Karaji, and the, the Mantid separated, not because they were beaten in the war, but because they had a different ideology from each other. Were the Nerubians, were they following Yogg-Saron? Was that ever established? They were terrified of his followers. Like when, yeah. when, when Arthas um, has... Because we had to go in and clear it out. Yeah, but when you play Warcraft 3, Arthas and Anubarak are heading underground, and at one point Anubarak freaks out because a Forgotten One is standing in the way. And the Forgotten One is clearly something old gaudy. Like it's it's a mound of of yeah. like tentacles and it's it's like that thing could couldn't be any you know that thing is so definitely related to the old gods it's not even fun and he he Nubarak is like we must steal ourselves and fight as we have never fought before it is a menace from out of our ancient history so it's like the Nerubians decided you know what the old gods are nuts and they might have just broken off completely yeah yeah because they the old there's that definite division in their in their culture where a lot of them are like no we're perfectly happy not worshiping you. Because you guys are crazy. So, I don't know. I don't know if they ever were actually worshipped Yogg-Saron or were just terrified of him. That's an interesting thought. Where maybe the different old gods and the way that the old gods influenced the Akir kind of formed how the Akir evolved. Yeah. Beyond what they were. Because the Akir, the Akir down in Ankaraj are, some of them are a little more obviously developed than others. But, well, the, yeah, but the, the, they're the way more 
bug-like. Yeah, there's like the silithids that don't even seem to have intelligence. They're like beetles. Yeah. And then there's the the actual Karaji, who seem to be like intelligent. I mean, and granted, a lot of them are like also there's a lot of weird Titan stuff mixed in there. But the like the Karaji emperors, for instance, those guys are you know fully intelligent. And there's like lots of other ones that seem to be intelligent. Yeah. It's like like the what's the name? The prophet? Yeah, the prophet. Um, Scaram. Scaram. Yeah, that guy's intelligent. Uh, there's battle battle guard Satura. She's intelligent, so that there's definitely in- intelligent ones down there. Um, <laughs> I always found it weird how Sartura, like everybody, every, all the other bugs down there look like bugs, and then Sartura, she's like the most humanoid-looking among them. Well, it could also yeah. be it could also be just different classifications within the same species. It's not like we haven't seen that in other races before, where it's you know maybe the Silithid are just leftovers of their shock troops. Like they, these are the mindless masses of bugs that they controlled and sent out there. And when you go to like most of these zones. You don't really see a handler, which is why they're just kind of doing bug things. And then you go into like AQ and they have handlers. They're a lot more organized. There's a lot more thought process to their attacks. There's a hive mind. There's a hive mind going on like that. So maybe it's a case of, you know, maybe the ones that decided that they're going to split off and and no longer serve the old gods are like, hey, well, you know, whatever. We're going to do our own thing. There's no hive mind dudes down there. There's no hive mind dudes down there at all. And then the the ones that stay behind the silt that are like, you know what? I'm kind of cool with doing this whole serving thing and I have an army at my beck and call. So, yeah, I like being in charge. I'm going to chill out here. This is cool. (laughs) It's it's possible. I mean, it's weird, too, is that some of them are intelligent despite the fact that they're entirely monstrous. Like Princess Hooveron. Uh, is treated in the lore as if you know any other leader. Oh, yeah, royalty or the bug trio. Yeah, they're they're even though they don't look anything like like the, in, the humanoid ones. Yeah, <laughs> bugs. <laughs> they're still treated as like actual ranking members. But I mean, we haven't even talked about the trolls. Um, Let's go into the trolls. Yeah, the, the trolls are fascinating just because the trolls might be the most. Um, they're they're the only native race to Azeroth that is that this polymorphic. Um, in that you put them in an environment and they adapt to it. They're very environmentally diverse because, you know, a troll from Northrend and a troll from, say, Silithus or, you know, Tenaris, they look entirely different. Not only that, but they can actually readapt. Like, mm-hmm. there's trolls that are descended from jungle trolls, as far as I can tell, in um, Dunmoreau, who The forest was- trolls, yeah. Not the forest trolls, the the ones in the in the actual mountains that have re, oh. readapted to the snow and become they're like frost trolls, but they're not actually frost trolls, as far as I can tell. Yeah, like, okay, it's yeah. like it's like you put them in an environment and give it a couple generations, and they'll turn into like whatever you want, and that's like what's so fascinating. Like you you mentioned the forest trolls, so you got the Amani there. The forest trolls are like beefy dudes. They're like they're like taller, thicker. Um, the Zandalari, especially the, the Zandalari, are interesting because they kept themselves isolated, and the Zandalari are like the only ones who stand up straight. Have you noticed that about the Zandalari? They just stand up straight. They never hunch. Yeah, it's that really, is uh, that is very very true. Uh, and it's it's really fascinating that the trolls are like so adaptive. Then you have the dark trolls, which we know, you know, all we know about the dark trolls is their appearance in Warcraft Three, and then like some stuff that was written about them. We've never seen them in World of Warcraft ever. Um, when did they show up in Warcraft 3? Because I don't quite remember that. There's a village of them, the Shadow Tooth Clan. Oh, yeah. It's like right near the end. Like you, the, the Night Elves show up and is like, you know, you're going to help us or what? And they're like, uh, I guess we'll help you since the alternative well, is demons. Wasn't it? 
wasn't it also in Warcraft 3 that they speculated that it was the Dark Trolls that eventually evolved into the Night Elves? And that's why we don't see Dark Trolls really? Like, their scattered tribes may be isolated, but that was the... the I thought that was the... But I, don't know if they were, I don't know if they might say it in the in the, uh, the book that came with Warcraft 3, the, the players got. I don't really know. I just remember, like, the, the first time it was ever really stated was in the Warcraft magazine, but... The, the Dark Trolls in general, you don't see them in-game, ever. Like, there, there was an argument... I think there was something said that during the Cataclysm, there was a group of, of Dark Trolls living in Hyjal, because after the war, like, they were like, yeah, hey, we like it here. And they've been in... I guess they've lived in under underneath the tree for, like, countless millennia, and nobody bothered them, and they didn't bother anybody. But the, the Twilight's Hammer was like, nope, don't like you guys, so they killed them. But we don't, we don't yeah, know Yeah, I was under the that. impression that the Dark Trolls have been, by and large, wiped out. Either wiped out or they evolved. Yeah, according to Freya Scenarius in the Tribunal of Ages, it was a tribe of Dark Trolls that eventually evolved into Night Elf. Yeah. That, the thing about that is, like, that's again, that's the weird adaptability of Trolls. Like, we've seen other peoples get exposed to the Well of Eternity and get changed. But only trolls, when exposed to the Well of Eternity, became ridiculously good at magic. Because that's the Night Elves, and from them, the Night Elves to the, the, the modern Night Elves, and the, and the modern Blood Elves who got there from via the High Elves, who were descended from the Night Elves. Gah. Saying this is just like, blah, 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 descended, descended. <laughs> but all the, the, the big win that Elves had when, when all this was happening, because we mentioned before the war between the... Uh, the trolls and the in the, the Akir, the trolls when they finally got their act together after that war were like, okay, we've taken a couple hundred years to recover. We're gonna start fighting each other and take you know divide up the world amongst ourselves. And by then the night elves had started to rise and they offended the trolls by existing. Whether or not you know, let's for a moment just completely ignore the, their origins. The trolls hated these guys as soon as they saw them. They were like, well, let's kill these guys first. And this made the night elves tap into the well of eternity which the trolls couldn't do trolls couldn't touch the power in the well like they hadn't even discovered it yet which goes to show you just how unexplored azeroth was back then because the well of eternity isn't small like it was this huge thing massive (laughs) they hadn't just they'd been fighting a war across the entire planet and they hadn't found this thing yet it's like wow or they found it and they didn't really think anything of it because it wasn't it had nothing to do with the loa yeah had nothing to do with any of the magic that they had been practicing what little they had been practicing. And so the dark they, trolls were the only ones that sought it out. Apparently that, that makes you wonder if Alun is a Loa, to be honest with you, if she was the dark trolls, Loa. It also comes to the, the whole speculation that all of those spiritual forces are all, you know, one sort of, I don't want to say pantheon, but for lack of a better term, they all exist. Guys, and there's, this, there's a people kind of like show. There's a hilarious bit. Um, when the trolls got to join the Cenarian Circle. Did you guys read it, where the trolls are referring to all the various ancients as Loa? Yes. Yeah. And, and the Night Elves were like, no, no, please don't say that. But no, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, Because we don't know, like, maybe these spirits or maybe these, these entities appear to these different races and different... We've already seen, like, dragons do it. We've seen ancients do it. Why not the gods? You know, why why not these these super powerful all be all beings appear differently to each of the races? Why why not? It's totally possible that Tenarius to them looks like a looks like a centaur to one dude and to another dude. Mm-hmm. Looks like well, that's that's the other thing. Centaurs are actually descended from Cenarius. Yeah. yeah, but that's you know that's because Cenarius' son is willing to 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 get together with any Earth elemental princess he runs into. Uh, 
but there's like we haven't even really talked about like the how all the various elf races come about because man that takes forever well that's but, interesting in and of itself though because you know we're talking about trolls and how trolls really adapt to the environment that they're in yeah when you look at elves elves evolved from trolls maybe that was just another step of that yeah. whole we're going to evolve to the environment that we're in and the environment that we right? happen to be in is a really freaky magic one so let's just go ahead and adapt to that well, yeah. and you see, you see some of that too with all the various races of elves—the night elves, the high elves, the blood right. elves, fell blood, blood elves. elves. As soon as the blood elves got yeah. away from the well of eternity and got away from the world tree, all of a sudden they started drastically changing. They went to a different continent and shrank. You know, it's interesting to think about too. Um, there's something about the high elves transformation that's always been interesting to me. In that, what other race went to another continent and shrank and got pink? Humans. Yeah. Yep. It's like, and not just humans. I can name another one: dwarves. That's true. They did. They Dwar- shrunk the dwarves. The, the, the and another one: gnomes. Yeah. It's like something about that continent wants everybody to be smaller and pinker. I'm, I'm not sure what's well, going on. Well, and it's kind of interesting too because one of the one of the things about the blood elf story, uh, when they talk about when these highborn, and by highborn we mean they were still night elves. They were just the magic practicing very good magic mm-hmm. practicing not very good as in you know very proficient at it <laughs> they, they were very good as in they knew how to do it better than anybody not they were sweetness and light because they definitely weren't sweetness and light um but when they were banished to the eastern kingdoms uh there's part of that story that talks about how some of them started hearing voices and going a little cuckoo and that's when they decided no wait maybe we shouldn't settle on this coast and they started moving towards what eventually became Quell's loss um and that's actually like so was it the curse of flesh or was it the fact that they were so far removed from the well of eternity or was it something that they're just like or is it proximity to something like titan tech because like you made a good point with the dwarves too like they moved away from what is a massive titan engine and all of a sudden became tiny little pink things. Well, for so, that matter, there, there's, a, there's a massive Titan base right in the middle of the Eastern Kingdoms. Like, sure. Yeah. Aldemont, and that's like, that's, that's, that's Titan-y. We should probably hold that off. Let, let's, I'm going to really quickly run through the various elves and how they got there. We, we, get, we, the, we start with the Night Elves, who get here from Trolls. Dark Trolls get exposed to Well of Eternity, we get Night Elves. Uh, after, like, a while, Night Elves develop a society that is ridiculously into magic. Like, you wouldn't know it from looking at modern Night Elves, but the ancient Night Elves loved magic a lot. They start probing the Well of Eternity, summon the Burning Legion to Azeroth, and stuff goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and eventually they have to blow up the Well of Eternity to save themselves. This leads to a big shift in their culture, and they say, nope, we're done with arcane magic. That leads to the Night Elves. The Night Elves of that time, the Highborn that Anne mentioned, or like, who wouldn't give up magic, are like, nope, we're going to leave because we just want, we can't live like this. Uh, you, you guys want to give up everything that, we're, that our culture was made of rather than try and fix it. So we're going to go and we're going to do our own culture. They sail across the ocean. Uh, well, they didn't with, leave. They were banished. And they straight up get kicked out. She's right. Um, they, they, they summoned a magical, a magical hurricane to like try and get their point across. They were and like, then, we need yeah. this stuff. It's really powerful. Look at what we can do. And then they promptly stormed, like er, made this arcane storm in Ashenvale. And at the time the ruling was, if you're caught practicing magic like this, you're dead. But, but Malfurion yeah, couldn't, couldn't bring himself to kill these people. 
So instead he said, you know what? Okay, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to show you some mercy, but I need you to get out. And by get out, I mean like go away. Yeah, get on boats. Okay. Get on boats. Go over that way. I don't care if anything is over that <laughs> if way. If you find land, that's great. If you don't, it's not my problem anymore. And they took off. But that, that society lasted for several thousand years. They basically became what we call the High Elves. And they're the ones from Warcraft 1 and 2. Um, the problem with High Elf society was that it was incredibly insular. Uh, to, not, not to drag this out forever, but Troll Wars, they fought the trolls because the trolls were living where they landed, but they didn't care. Uh, trolls were like, get out. They were like, no. They made an alliance with the humans. That alliance lasted for, like, I want to say, like a thousand years, if not more. About a thousand years, yeah. And then the, th the second war comes up, and the, the humans are like, okay, time for you to pass back. So they fight the horde. Um, they then decide, we're going to be completely insular. Uh, that doesn't work out too well for them, because during the third war, Arthas Menethil walks his uh, undead army up to... Quelthalos and is like, get out of the way elves, I'm taking your son well. The high elves are like, no, there's a big fight, they lose, and nine-tenths of their species is wiped out. They're just all killed. The remainders basically turn into the blood elves. That's because their prince, Kael'thas, declares them the, the blood elves because of all the blood that was shed and all the crap they had to go through. And I'm, I know I'm stripping this way down, but I just want to establish the elves. Oh, there's the new ones. We don't know anything about those guys, do we? Which, Which ones? ones? The, the ones on the Broken Island? Oh, yeah, um, the Nightborn, are they called? Yeah, there's, there's, we're going to see that in Legion. There's, there, there's apparently a section of Highborn that didn't become Naga, didn't, something happened to them, and they're on the Broken Isles there. They're in Suramar, yeah. And they've been there all this time, and we have no idea what they're up to or anything, except that apparently it's bad stuff and we need to get rid of them. Yeah, there's <laughs> one. Like, oh, look, a major ancient civilization. Let's kill it. There's, there's like one concept art that I've seen of one of them with these like really fancy ear caps, mm -hmm. and they're like, they're like night elves times ten in terms of what they look like. Like they're longer, uh, leaner, and darker. There's so they... um another branch of the elves as well because we had obviously when the sundering happens. We had those two branches of night elves. We had the druids and the priests that were very much anti-magic. And then we had the remaining highborn that were very pro-magic. Those highborn were living side by side with the druids and the priests. And then you had, there was another group. There was another group of highborn that, oh, got, ones, yeah. out, that got out of there and they traveled south. And those are the Shendralar. I don't know. Did, did they ever establish if the Shendralar were actually even part of Night Elf society, or were they like trapped? They in, were. I, they were. I always thought they were like trapped in, in Dire Mall. No, like, they, they couldn't were get part out. of it. They were part of it, and they traveled south to get away because they realized that Ashara was kind of going a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and they wanted to get out of there. So they they splintered off and traveled to the south and became very isolationist down there and didn't really contact anybody and then the prince started going slowly mad i thought that they were i thought that they were more highborn that just didn't want to live with uh near the other society i thought that was the whole original thing with the well, chandelier you know that fits with what she just said that they just they saw how bad things were going and took off and didn't try to reintroduce themselves i, I yeah they weren't they weren't they didn't live in Zineshari. They were separated. They were separated from all of that, and they didn't really. They were kind of one of the whole that, groups that weren't really into what Ashara was up to 
So they and defended isn't Tyrande the, associated with them in some way too? No, she's not. But they they defended they defended the city from everything, from demons, from other night elves, from other highborn, everything else. They they defended all of that as best as they could during the war. Um, and then after the Sundering, they just sort of stayed put and just kind of kept themselves isolated. They weren't exiled and they weren't part of the original, you know, Night Elf Society or, or High Elf Society up north where the banishing went on. No, that makes sense. I, I've just always been really unclear about Prince Tarthalvin, and I admit that. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of princes and princesses in, in Night Elf society that are never really explained. Yeah, Torthaldrin, he what happened what happened was that they were so far south that they were kind of removed from the Well of Eternity. They they weren't anywhere near the new one that was created. They weren't anywhere near the World Tree or anything. They were so far south that 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 whole lethargy that hit when. You know when the High Elves were exiled and they went to the Eastern Kingdoms and they built the Sunwell? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. because they wanted all of that magical energy back again. They didn't have it. Yeah, because they were dying slowly. They didn't yeah. They didn't have it down in... in Dire Mall. Dire Mall. Eldrith the Lost. Eldrith the Lost, yes. Okay, they didn't have it down there either. And Torkeldrin decided, you know what? Let's go ahead and imprison a demon and we'll, like, drain we'll him pull his powers into like pylons and kind of, he'll be a living battery to everybody in Eldrith the Lost. Only the thing was, was like this particular demon, it needed sacrifices and things like that just to keep it going. Yes. So Portaldrin said, well, I'm just going to take my people and start chucking them to this thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny how many times various descendants of the Highborn come up with this demon idea yeah. and it has yet to work. No. It's really not a good idea, guys. No. This time it'll work because I'll sacrifice people to it. But right oh, well. before the beginning of Cataclysm, um, the Shendralar sort of sensed that there was something going on, and they went back to the Night Elves. And That's said, what I was thinking of. Look, and they went back to the Night Elves, and they said, um, so bad things are on the horizon, and we'd rather not be isolated anymore, and you guys are going to kind of need us, and we kind of need you too. And Taronda had to kind of deal with that in terms of, do I let these guys back in? They're mages. We don't like mages, but at the same time, we could probably use them. And that's why there are now night elf mages. And that pissed off the blood elf. Big time. Big time. Big time. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You exiled us. But as soon as the situation turns around, you bring the highborn back in. Like, really? Thanks, guys. Is it? Is it worth, and this is a question, is it worth noting the some of the other races that are existent in Azeroth as a result of elf intervention as well? Like Absolutely. Like the Seder and the Worgen? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't even mention the Naga, yeah. We, we yeah. did mention them briefly, but the Naga, so we, the Naga are descended from Night Elves as well. As the are the Satyrs, who are, the, I yeah. think they're the, the touched or by the demonic, demonic Ooh, forces. I, yeah. I'm going to mention this, actually, because I was just leveling in, in Ashenvale. The Satyr are the only race I know of that can be cured. Yes. Yeah, that was can, that was one of the big reveals in Ashenvale and Cataclysm. Yeah, because I was doing a quest. That, found out two things. One is that whatever a loon is, her power is active in the world right now. Yep. Because there's an exploding volcano in the middle of Ashenvale, and it's destroyed everything in its path except the moon well that was right there, which the lava has just gone around because a loon is just protecting it. Yeah. And it's like, um, 
if our god is actually actively listening to prayers and stuff, could we be praying about the volcano itself? Like, that needs to go away. She talks to you, too. Yeah, I haven't actually gotten that far yet. Ah. Wait a minute, no, I have, because I cured the Saturn. She you does cured the Saturn. She, she yeah. talks to you. She comes to you, and she talks to you, and it's really... <laughs> I mean, I know I kind of always... I always go back to the whole Aluna Zanaru thing, but that's because there's always this evidence sitting around that just keeps suggesting it, and one of the big things that suggested it, and this was obviously after the fact, after I'd written that article, when Cataclysm came out, if you look at when Alun is talking to you, it talks about her presence, and it's almost kind of the same kind of presence that Adal has in Chatra City, mm-hmm. where you feel at peace, and you and you feel like, you know, your, your everything bathed, is okay. Things are going to be okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your bathe in her presence thing, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it's very much similar. It's very similar to what happens if you go just talk to a doll when you've got, when he's got nothing else to say, um, which I find a little fishy. But yeah, and no, the the thing about the satyr is the way the satyr showed up. It was um, it was oh Z- my gosh, Xavius. Xavius was yeah, the first, okay, yes. so Xavius Xavius was given this gift, and I'm air quoting here because it wasn't really much of a gift when you think about it by the Burning Legion, who decided. Basically, he was nearly killed by Malfurion Stormrage, and mm-hmm. the Burning Legion brought him back and turned him into a satyr and said, anybody else that wants this gift, you can go ahead and give it to them. So he went to a bench- bunch of his best buds and said, hey, you guys, you want to be really uber powerful? I can make that happen. Also, hooves. So that's how they came about. And there was actually a big war that happened between the satyr and the night elves and it was after the war of the ancients after and that, thundering yeah. and that war is important and that war is important because because of that war is where worgen originally came from yeah because uh, the we're gonna Druids... talk about fangfire because we're talking about Rolar fangfire then i'm in oh yeah. uh, we're gonna talk about Rolar fangfire so and i'll and I'll, I'll kick it over to you once we get there because i know your love of it uh but it's this group of druids of the fang who wanted to basically up their power uh, and so they turned to the stat, uh, the the scythe of a loon, uh, which was made from one of Galdrin's fangs and the staff of a loon. But instead of upping their power, it just turned them into these crazy monstrosities that we know as worgen nowadays. And Do you know who the first worgen was? Who was the first worgen? Malfurion. Yes. Yep. The thing about the the worgen, the, it's the form that worgen have is a, is a distillation of something called pack form. Uh, pack form was originally just a wolf form. It wasn't a humanoid war, wolf like a worgen. The problem with pack form was that during the War of the Ancients, Goldrin got himself hideously burned by the fell blood of Legion creatures, uh, and he never recovered from it mentally. He kind of went crazy, and that's one of the reasons he howls at a loon when her light is shed on the world. It hurts him when the moon comes out. It causes Galdrin to go kind of crazy because the purity of it is too much for him to take. And that's one of the problems with using the pack form or with using the scythe of a loon is that Galdrin is crazy mm-hmm. and he's got the, the fell touch in him. And that's what drives him into a berserker rage. Now, the the druids knew this. Malfurion was like, you can't take the pack form because I tried taking it and I tried to kill Cenarius. To um, go off on just a little bit of a side tangent here, basically... Basically, when a druid takes an animal form, it's not just them deciding to be an animal. It's them imbuing an aspect of a particular ancient. Mm-hmm. So 
when they took pack form, they were deliberately kind of channeling Boldrin, which was not a good idea. And that's what Malfurion found out. And go ahead and continue, Rossi. So basically, we, we talked about the scythe briefly. One of the uh, druids, a guy named Rolar Fangfire, he had two friends that um, helped him, Belisera and her lover, whose name I never can remember. But um, the, the three of them decided, we're going to... We're going to hone this. We're going to figure out how to make it work. But they, when Malfurion said, you can't take the pack form, Rolar's friend was like, all right, I won't take it. They got ambushed by Satters during the, the war that Joe was talking about, and his friend got killed. Rolar's friend, he wouldn't take the pack form to save himself, and he died. The Satter killed him. Uh, Belisera and, and Rolar were so grieved by this that they created the, the Scythe of the Loon. Uh, it was their... They, basically took a fang of Goldrins and stuck it on the staff, which they were not supposed to do. That this was not, like, you know, this wasn't sanctified. No one said, you know, go ahead and do that. They just decided to. Rolar began experimenting, and he came up with what, what you now look at as the Worgen form. Uh, it wasn't the pack form. Like, he's like, it's better. It's better than pack form because it's it still can stand up. It can still maneuver as a man. This is something, look at druid forms. There's no other druid form does this. Not even the, the, the uh, the the laser chicken form. What is that called? Well, don't forget there's now there's yeah. there is now the the saber the saber stalker form. Yeah, but that's so now that's, that, that that's now a thing. But before that, there never had been a form like this. Even the moonkin form. The moonkin are creations of a loon. Yeah, they're like a specific creature. The druid wasn't taking on that thing. They wasn't changing themselves. They just were were copying uh, something created by a loon. Um, but Rilar was like, no, this is better. And he went out there and fought the Satyrs, and he did a great job. Like the, the Worgen form is great against Satyrs because Satyrs are basically just big goats. They're like, look at me, I'm a goat man. It's like, okay, I'm a wolf man. I'm going to eat you now. And the, the Satyr <laughs> didn't have a response to. That. But the problem was that Goldrin's fury is contagious. It's fell touched. It's it it is kind of evil in a way. It's dangerous to use. And the Druids of the Fang started losing their minds. And Rilar was the first to go. Like he snapped. Like he decided. What if every every night elf should be? We should all be wolf people. He he pretty much he was of the opinion that Arvel Arvel was the other night elf. Yes, was Belara's mate. Um, Arvel Arvel died during the war, and it was Rilar's opinion that had Arvel actually taken pack form, he would have been fine. But yeah. it was forbidden, so he wouldn't do it. So he died. And that was a lot uh, where a lot of that animosity came from. Plus, it, it was kind of fueled anyway by just being in pack form because yeah. you know pack. you channel the spirit of Goldrin. It's not it's not a happy-go-lucky ancient. No, Gold, Goldrin's spirit's crazy, and he was mad at Malfurion. So these two things combined, and eventually the Worgen declared open war on their own people. Yeah, the, they were the no time... longer the Druids of the Fang. They turned in. They they called themselves the Druids of the Scythe. Because yeah, well, they, they were, were channeling they were the side of the loon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Belisera had had a change of heart by this time. She realized that. She Rola realized they were gonna... all going cuckoo. Yeah. So she, <laughs> she helped uh, Malfurion banish them to to the Emerald Dream. Um, I think the tree is actually in Darnassus now that they banished them under, yes, or at least it it's, is. it's it's a reflection of the actual real tree in the Emerald Dream. Yeah. But what they didn't know was that. On the other side of the world, there's another tree, Taldoran, I believe it's called. Is that the one in, in Gilneas, Taldoran? I think so, yeah. That one is Taldoran, also... Taldoran, yeah. yeah. It's a, another reflection of the tree in the Emerald Dream. And thousands of years later, 
two things happened at once. First one is that during the war of the uh, the, the third war, for lack of a better word, the um, night elves, one of them found the scythe of a loon again. It just reappeared, and she began using it. Uh, and th- I think at this point, Anne should probably tell the story because Anne, I know Anne's covered this one a million times. What as far as the scythe of a loon? Yeah, the return of the scythe of a loon. Oh, geez, it's gotten kind of muddled over the years. Yeah, but the basic, the basic, you know, who found it and stuff. You can. Well, it was found. It was found by basically what happened was, Stormrage banished the worgen beneath. Uh, was it Darlnir? Yeah, I think, I think it's so, Darlnir. Yeah. And Darlnir, that's the one that's its reflection is basically the tree that is in the Blackwald. It's it's the one that's in the Blackwald. And then after that was done, the scythe was entrusted to another person, and then it was just kind of forgotten about. Um, who was it? It was, I think it was Melthandris, if I remember right, was who it was given to. It was mentioned in Valinda Starsong's journal. But anyway, okay, so uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, um, when the Third War was going on, demons started popping up all over Felwood and Ashenvale. And, and it was part of the, that whole Legion invasion that was going on. Valinda Starsong was basically granted the scythe from Alune herself in order to combat these demons. So she took the scythe and she used the powers of the scythe to kind of draw the worgen into the world of Azeroth from where they were to use them as a tool to fight the burning legion. Basically she was using <laughs> she was basically using the scythe of a loon as a tool to bring the druids of the scythe back into reality from where they were sleeping in the emerald dream in order to fight the burning legion only it didn't work because all of a sudden their numbers started increasing and she didn't understand why their numbers were increasing it was like the scythe was no longer required in order to bring these guys around and she'd heard of an archmage named aragal who was also summoning these worgen, like way off on the Eastern Kingdoms. So she decided to travel out there to meet with him, thinking, okay, maybe he can help with this problem because obviously these worgen aren't under my control anymore. But she ended up getting attacked in Duskwood and died while, the, while it was there. And the scythe ended up in Duskwood. It was trapped in a cave. And then later on, it was found by this human dude named Jitters, who... <laughs> was an idiot and said, ooh, big magical thing. Let's go ahead and pick this up and see what happens, you know. And he picked it up and it released the worgen into Duskwood. This is why the worgen are just kind of spread all over Azeroth. It's because they followed the path of where the scythe was left. Yeah, every time some, some poor soul had the thing, they ended up creating another place full of worgen. Right. And let's, I mean, let's be honest, Azeroth is uh, full of jitters. Full and of the, yeah. The other problem is that I think it, the interesting thing is the timeline sets suggests something about this, and it's always bothered me. Yeah. Is that um, Arugal finds the Book of Or, works out how to do the summoning ritual, has no idea what the Emerald Dream is, so he's completely messing around with forces he doesn't understand. Yeah. Right around the same time that Valinda Star, Valinda's Star Song is using is it Star Song? That's right, Star Song. You just said it like five times. Yeah. Uh, she's using the scythe of a loon to bring the worgen in. I've always wondered about that. Like, if the reason she lost control of the scythe was because of Arugal. Probably. It would and make sense. Probably, yeah. because the time timeline kind of matches up. So anyway, Valinda is dead. She's taken a dirt nap out in Duskwood. There's actually, it's kind of interesting. If you go to Duskwood now, and you go into 
that mine, and I forget what the mine is called, but you go into the mine, there's a pile of dirt on the ground, and if you click on it, the spirit of Valinda will pop up, and she'll talk about the scythe. That's yeah. why she's there. That's where she died. That's where the scythe was found by Jitters. He took it out, and chaos was just happening all over the place in Duskwood. And you got a lot of this in vanilla World of Warcraft when you were playing it. But the the resolution to the scythe storyline was something that was actually it was told in one of the World of Warcraft comics that came out. It was one of the graphic novels that was released. You mean Dark um, Riders or Curse yeah, of the Yeah, Dark Riders. Dark Riders. Um, okay. Curse of the Worgen talks about what happened with Aragal and everything. Dark Riders talks about specifically what happened with the Scythe of Elune. Um, there was a group that was pursuing that wolf cult that was going on in, in, in Duskwood. And they happened upon Jitters. And Jitters told them about the Scythe and that it had been rediscovered. And that the Black Riders were looking for it. The, the Dark Riders of Deadwind Pass. They were looking for it. Um... But the wolf cult got the scythe. So basically this group of dudes figured out what was going on. Um, and there was an agent of SI7 that was sent to go retrieve the scythe. And he got the scythe. He took it out. And then he decided to go ahead and take it to a night elf. And the night elf said, okay, cool. I've got this thing. I'm going to take it up to Gilneas because there's all sorts of stuff going down on up there. That's where the reflection of the tree where the Worgen originally were banished to. That's where it's at. It's up in Gilneas. So we need to go there. So that's how it passed hands. It was told in this graphic novel. The timeline's kind of shaky, though, because this is all within a matter of, you know, months or whatever in between what happened in Cataclysm. Yeah, and Cataclysm itself doesn't help because there's like a, there's a time skip. Yeah. In Cataclysm, like if you're playing the Worgen starting zone. It starts out fairly far back, like when the Worgen first started showing up, and then it kind of yeah. skips mm -hmm. forward to the Cataclysm itself. So, yeah, um, they took it up north. They took it to Gilneas. They, unfortunately, the scythe was found by the Forsaken because, you know, Sylvanas was going, oh, hey, you know, Worgen, it'd be great if I could control these things. Hey, look at that, a thing that'll let me control these things. So, you know, she had her agents get the scythe, but then the scythe was stolen back again. And that was during the Worgen starting experience. If you go play the Worgen starting, I really, that's like the Worgen starting experience is still, it's like my favorite one in the game right now, even though the end of it is really disappointing. It does, it does do a lot. I'll give it that. But I love all the history. I love all the history that's presented with it, and I love the history of Gilneas. I find it really fascinating. It's really so messed up is one thing we've – I don't think we have time to really talk about this, but Sylvanas is not the only undead person to want to include werewolves in her, like, monster mash. Nope. Because Arthas wanted them too. Yep. <laughs> He's like, werewolves? I, I got to get me some of those. So basically, the whole reason that the Worgen came about, they were night elves that were banished underneath this tree, right? And they escaped. And when they escaped, they started biting people and transferring this curse. And they transferred it to the people of Gilneas. So the Worgen are pretty much the Night Elves' fault. So yeah. we've got the Naga, we've got the Seder, we've got the Worgen. They're all the fault of Night Elves in varying degrees. Yeah, there's pretty much no way around this. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also the Wretched. And then there's the Wretched, which are kind of... Well, go ahead. Well, they're, magic, they're basically magic zombie junkies. And they're... <laughs> Really yeah, no that's a way great way it. to describe it, yeah. It's pretty much no other way to put it. They're magic zombie junkies, and they're what happens to a 
I guess either a high elf or a blood elf, but I'm going to go with blood elves because they're the ones that you, you see them interacting with. Then what happens to a blood elf when they don't get magic for a long enough period of time? See, the, 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 the magic dependence of the blood elves isn't a joke, and it's not a metaphor. I know it's used as a metaphor in game, but no, they're literally addicted to it. They will die. They will, yeah. Before they die, they turn into wretched. And wretched are... That's about as bad as you can get and still be a living thing. Like, remember the Pale from, from Draenor? The, the, yeah. the Wretched are very similar to the Pale. Disturbingly similar to the Pale. In ways that imply a lot of disturbing things about shadow magic, actually. It's a very similar kind of falling apart process. It's interesting, because I, I, I find the Pale really interesting, too. Yeah. But we can't really go into them too much, because that's Draenor. And we're specifically talking about Azeroth right now, so... Basically, where we get with all of this is we have the trolls. The trolls were around originally. We have the Torin. The Torin were around originally. And you notice that that's another thing. We're noticing that all the original Azerothian-born races tend to split up into little subgroups. Yeah. The Akir broke up into at least three that we know of. The, well, there's different kinds of Torin all over the place. Yeah, we, we have at least three different types of Torin that have split off. Uh, the trolls, my god. Um, They're all can, over. Yeah, there's like six of those guys. Um, let me think. Like, there's the Zandalari, Forest Trolls, uh, Jungle Trolls, Desert Frost trolls, trolls, Frost Trolls, and Dark Trolls. So that's six trolls. Uh, and then Elves. My God. El- there's like Elf offshoots all over the place. And that's interesting, of- too, because you mentioned it You mentioned it with Xavius. Xavius spread the Satter gift to anybody who wanted it. Yeah. And But we now know it can be cured. You can un a guy. Now, nothing has come of that as of yet, but maybe we'll see something about that in Legion. I don't know. I don't. The thing is, is we're it's one of those the, plot points that they could bring back because it'd be relevant. Yeah, and the thing is, we have the Naga in Legion. We barely even touch the surface of the Naga. <laughs> the Naga were basically uh, when when Ashara and her palace sank into the sea. Um, an old god decided to have a nice little chat with her and said, "Hey." If you'd like to live, you can serve me, and I'll give you all kinds of power. And Ashara said, sure. And everyone that followed her, everybody that was in the palace that sank into the ocean, um, they were transformed in, into Naga. And all of the Naga on Azeroth are from that moment, pretty much. It's interesting because we were just talking about how like the Night Elves seem to like adapt to weird magical stuff. And Naga could very well be seen as the adaption to old god stuff. That'd be weird magic anyway falls under yeah. the same branch but the naga we know the naga are going to show up in legion what i find fascinating though is that you know you have the alliance races you have the horde races the playable races right mm-hmm. the only ones that really that are really native to azeroth are the trolls the Torin, and the elves in whatever capacity the elves are. And even then, you could argue that the elves are... They're basically offshoots of the trolls, so they're kind of the same thing. That's it. What about the goblins? We don't, we don't know where the goblins came from. Yeah, we, we know that the goblins have been around a while, and we know the we goblins have, have changed themselves through the use of, you know, Kajamite, to the point where you've got, the, like, the big hobgoblin types that are just big, dumb enforcers, and then you've got the actual goblins who are, like, the smart theories? ones. Do you have any theories on where the goblins came from, Joe? Honestly, I don't know, but I figure if we pay them enough gold, we might find out. <laughs> Maybe they'll let us in on it. <laughs> pay them enough gold, they'll tell you whatever you want to hear. <laughs> but no, that's a, that's actually a really good question, because, I mean, I don't know. Like, have we heard... I don't even think there's anything in the game that even hints at that right now, is there? 
Nope. All we know about them is that at some point they found Kajamite and at started point, ingesting it. Yeah, at some point they were not very smart, and then they found Kajamite, and that somehow affected them to the point where they evolved. It was kind of like Kajamite was the goblin's well of eternity, in a way. And it's, well, I almost, I almost wonder, were, because their proportions seem similar to troglodytes, almost, I'm wondering if... They're related to dwarves in some way in that same like family tree where they found Kajamite and you know all of a sudden they evolved from trogs into goblins. They became they stayed small and and those weird arm like because you look at it like their arms are the same length too right like they're those that weird long arms real short stubby legs like proportion wise they're very close to trogs. So bizarre. Well, the other thing weird thing about goblins too is that they were once slaves to the trolls. Yeah. And it's and, even pointed out, like, the uh, the Zandalari had them as slaves, and that's why the trolls are kept as slaves on Kazan. It's a form of payback. Oh. Goblins are really big on payback. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, that's... So we have the goblins as a wild card. The Forsaken count as Titan, because they were from humans. They were from humans. Worgen orcs... were from humans. Well, just looking at the horde, orcs are from another world. Yeah. Uh, trolls and Tauron native to Azeroth. Yes. Um, Forsaken Titan... Uh, goblin. Yeah, we don't know. know. Pandaren probably native. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, blood elves native, but but count as trolls for this purpose. Yeah. Um, then the alliance side, we've got humans are not native. Dwarves are not native. Draenei definitely not native. Um, gnomes are not native. Gnomes are not native. Night elves are native, but again, count as trolls. And Pandaren, yeah, we report, we think they're from here. I possibly related to Furbolg, possibly not. Don't really know. So it yeah, just, it it seems interesting. It's always been kind of interesting, kind of fascinating to me that most of these races that are fighting for Azeroth survival aren't actually. It, it's like they were part of the program that was established by the Titans. They weren't originally part of the world at all, and yeah, some of them might understand that. Some of them might not understand that. Some of them might understand that and just not care. Well, it's really interesting too because it, it kind of also we talk about evolution and. And the creation of these races. And one of the things that it looks like we, what happens is the Titans have their plans and so forth, but and sort of the old gods, but Azeroth will find a way to adapt what they've done to service it. And I think, actually, we're going to discuss that next week because we're kind of running out of time here. We've been going on for a while. Okay. I just realized I... that we've been going on for a while. So maybe we'll talk about Azeroth itself and the different defense systems of Azeroth, that kind of thing, next time, if that's sure. cool with you guys. I think that's fantastic. Okay. All right. So um, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. Joe, you didn't really get a chance to talk a whole heck of a lot because Rossi and I were battling <laughs> like crazy. So why don't you give us some final thoughts on Azeroth Evolution? All I know... wild theories you've got out there. Uh, I don't have any real super wild theories, but all I know is that uh, we can thank and blame trolls for pretty much everything, and I'm okay with that. Everything? Trolls, the cause of and solution to all of Azeroth's problems. <laughs> The whole world was just trolls. Everything else sort of... <laughs> some of these trolls turned into Torin. Everything was a troll at one point, eventually. Um, Rossi, do you have any final thoughts? I think I talked enough for one episode, quite frankly. Okay. All right. I was going to ask a question, but the question just kind of flew out of my head entirely. But let's go ahead and wrap it up for this week, then. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next time.